I'm Kathleen Goldhar, and I'm the host of a new podcast, Crime Story. Every week, we bring you a different crime, told by the storyteller who knows it best. You got one witness who can't be found. You got another witness who's murdered. We couldn't sugarcoat the story. I was getting calls from Cosby's attorney threatening to sue every day. Every crime in one way or another is a reflection of who we are as a people, as a city, as a country. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. The year was 1977, and for the first time ever, people could watch this on television. Our next event is the tram pull, and our director of events, Hal Conley, is struggling mightily. 8,400 pounds each tram, and uh, I think the athletes should start it with short, choppy steps, then lengthen the steps after they get it rolling. After they get it rolling, then get up some speed then. So uh, I believe that'll be the best way to get to the uh, finest time on this. And this is such an important event. We have got... Such an important event indeed. There's a wild range of people who are pulling the tram in that competition. Former Olympians, a kung fu master, and the incredible Hulk himself, Lou Ferrigno. They were all contestants in the first ever competition to find the world's strongest man. Since then, that sport has attracted women as well. Here's Don Moore, British athlete and the world's strongest woman in 2016, 2017, and 2019. Lifting weights improved my mental and physical well-being far beyond anything that um, I'd ever tried before. I found it empowering and it was a challenge to see what your body could actually do rather than focusing on what it looked like and the benefits of lifting weights change your body without you even realizing it feel much more healthy fitter able to do more things and of course because you're changing and you're progressing eventually you want to see more and more what your body's capable of doing the toronto writer Alyssa ages can relate to donna moore and the reasons that she has for trying to lift heavier and heavier things Alyssa got hooked after some friends arranged to meet her at a strongman gym for a look around She's written about this sporting subculture and what we can learn about ourselves when we lift really heavy things. Her book is called Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength. I spoke with Alyssa Ages in September in our Toronto studio. Here's our conversation. This starts, as I say for you, um, in this global strongman gym. When you walked in there, what was that like? Okay, so the first day I walked in there, I mean, you go through what is just this normal office building in a normal neighborhood in Manhattan, and you go up this very normal elevator as if you're going to someone's office, and then the door opens, and I just hear death metal just coming out from behind this large metal door. And I I really considered getting back in the elevator because it was a little terrifying. Mm -hmm. I'm early for everything. So I walked in and uh, none of the friends that I was supposed to meet there were there yet. So the first person I meet is a man named Hans, who is, I don't know, six and a half feet tall, just a huge, huge dude, and uh, shakes my hand and walks me through this space, which is just full of equipment I have never seen before. Um, Well, there are stacks of kegs, and I've seen kegs, but those weren't full of beer. Those were full of sand and rocks and things, and you were supposed to lift them, not drink from them. Uh, There was one treadmill in the back corner collecting dust, but otherwise there is a field of atlas stones, which are these round kind of concrete orbs that people lift. There are circus dumbbells, which look like a regular dumbbell, but they're about five times larger than that. It was a little terrifying. 
I would imagine that would be unnerving to walk into a space like this. I want to talk more about your connection to this, but we should explain a bit more about even what we just heard, the sure. World's Strongest Man competition. I mean, I grew up watching, and I don't even know what channel it was on, like Magnus von Magnussen, who was the World's Strongest Man who was lifting giant stones and logs and pulling, it seemed like a tractor trailer or something when I was a kid. What is the Strongman competition? So World's Strongest Man um, started in 1977 on, it was, aired on ESPN. Uh, that was the first time it was televised. But people have been doing Strongman for centuries. Um, it used to be more of a vaudeville thing. So uh, you would have people in circus tents lifting a cannon over their head. Um, there were women whose whole thing was to lift their husbands over their heads, um, lifting a large barbell with just one hand. And it's interesting, too, because from that time, we have these stories of weights lifted that we can't quite verify were actually the weights that were lifted. Um, but really, really incredible as far as just the the spectacle of all of it. So then you fast forward and you've got this televised competition. And for that, we didn't have strongman specialists at that point. So the first ever competition had bodybuilders, powerlifters, Lou Ferrigno, as you mentioned. Um, there was, I believe, a football player in one of the first ones. Mm. And for years, it was just men. And then by 1997, we got the first uh, World's Strongest Woman competition. The things that people are lifting. I mean, when you start you know, introducing yourself to this, one of your friends says, is it people who are like walking with refrigerators on their backs? Yes. Is that what it is? It's not refrigerators. What are the Dinny stones? Uh, the Dinny stones are historical lifting stones in Scotland. So uh, they were used as counterweights on a bridge in this little town called Potark. Uh, and now people flock there every year for what's called the gathering in August, and they attempt to lift the stones. And it's a real kind of ceremonial and community feel to it. The stones combined weigh 733 pounds. Yikes. Um, and they are each different weights. So when you try to lift them, you have to kind of balance yourself out so that one, both of them are coming off the ground at the same time. When you say traditional lifting stones, I mean, it's like you're picking the stone up. Like there's a there's a, a, a handle yes. that you lift it up from. Correct. The Dinnies have handles. Those are the only, uh, I believe there's one other pair of lifting stones that I know of that have handles. Um, lifting stones are from all over the globe. So they are from as far as Japan. There's the Basque region in Spain. Um, there were some here. There's actually a group in Edmonton that is trying to create new historical lifting stones. But throughout the world, they were used in different rituals of community and to determine whether or not somebody could work on, say, a fishing boat. Um, that's in Iceland. Uh, they were used to determine whether or not you were strong enough to be a warrior. That was in Scotland as well with the testing stone of the Fianna warriors. Um, and I just did a ton of research on a gentleman in Ireland who is going around and he's trying to find all the lost lifting stones of Ireland and uncover them and lift them and kind of bring that history back for the people of Ireland. And they're really heavy. They're really heavy. Yeah, you're not looking at anything under 200 pounds. This is from 2022, the Arnold Strongman Classic. And at this event, a competitor named Chloe Brennan is attempting to lift the Denny Stones. Lock that thing in. Man, listen to this crowd get behind. Yes. Chloe Brennan, here we go. And she's got him! Wow! Yes! Wow! Yeah! Unbelievable! That is fantastic! Wow! What a moment! That is so great! Chloe Brennan, who lifts the Diddy Stones. I gotta be honest, she walked out there and I went, okay. Okay, what's going on? Chloe Brennan, we should just explain. She's 140 pounds. 140 pounds. 140 pounds. <laughs> and she's lifting stones that weigh... 733 pounds. 
How is something like that possible? Well, Chloe is very, very, very strong, obviously. Um, but what's really interesting was, so I was there. Mm -hmm. I am probably one of those screaming voices in the crowd that you just heard. And that was, over the course of that weekend, that was the most incredible thing I witnessed. And one of the things that made it so incredible was right before Chloe went up to lift the stones, two other former World's Strongest Women went up and didn't lift them. And they were much bigger than her. So for Chloe to get up and then suddenly move them was, I think, shocking to everybody. Um, you know, there are some people who can put on muscle and strength easier than others. Um, Chloe is also a natural athlete. She doesn't take any performance-enhancing drugs. She's just that strong, and she trains really, really, really hard. You say in the book that in, we don't know in some ways just how strong women can be. Yeah, I think, and I mean, you're sitting across from me, so you can see this, but people don't think that I can lift the things that I can lift. I'm a fairly small person as far as strong women go. We've had this notion forever of what strength should look like in women and what it does look like in women. And that's where you get this whole idea of, you know, don't get too bulky from lifting weights, right? And that's, I mean, that's a whole separate commentary, but we've always had this idea that women should be strong, but not too visibly strong, not so strong that they are going to challenge gender norms with uh, the way that they look and their strength. Um, and I don't think because of that, we have any sense really of how strong women can be. And I think we're just starting to understand that as we see feats like what Chloe did. Why was this a sport for you? Not a sport to write about, yeah. but a sport to be involved in. Yeah. So I was not an athletic kid. Um, I had done a season of Little League Baseball when I was 10. And I had this really strong memory for most of my childhood that I never hit the ball. And when I was in my 20s, I was playing a softball game for uh, a company that I was working for. And I went up and I hit the ball. And I ran off to the side and I called my mom and I said, mom, you're gonna be so proud of me after all of that time of swinging and missing, I finally hit the ball. And she said, well, that's great, but it wasn't that you never hit the ball, you never swung the bat. Mm. And at, I think I was 22, at 22 to find out that I had created this story for myself and this persona for myself for the last 10 plus years of just being this non-athlete that I was just not capable of it. And suddenly realizing it was just fear. I just never tried. And that set me off on this course of just wanting to do the most extreme version of everything I could find. So I signed up for roller derby. I did a marathon, even though I had never run a mile in my whole life and would just get winded starting. Um, I went from marathons to triathlons and almost immediately decided to sign up for a half Ironman and then an Ironman. And when I finished that, I decided to sign up for CrossFit. And I, I fell in love with CrossFit. Um, I loved running. I still love running. It's still something I do regularly. But lifting weights going into the gym and picking up something heavy one day and then the next day, finding that that weight feels a little bit easier and maybe you can lift a little bit more. It taught me so much more about what I was capable of and what my body was capable of. And so when I went into that strongman gym for the first time, even though I was terrified, by the end of the class, we picked up those Atlas stones. And I picked up this 90 pound boulder. And I remember the first time I tried to lift it, it slipped out of my hands. And I, I really wanted to quit. And then I tried it again and I got it up to my shoulder. And I just had this overwhelming sensation of just like powerfulness and invincibility. And I remember looking around the gym and just thinking, I think I could lift anything in here. Mm. That day I signed up to work with a trainer there. And I think a week later I signed up for my first competition. Grab your VIP pass. 
We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1 Back at Base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Can you explain, just to go back for a second, Yeah, CrossFit is a huge thing, right? And so I have a lot of friends who are involved in CrossFit and they'll talk, they're very fit people. They might run, they might do all sorts of other things, but they talk about CrossFit with this kind of gleam in their eyes. What is it about that and that, like it's a community, right? Yeah. That creates something special. Exactly. The community is a huge, huge part of it. Um, I think that we are hardwired to work together, to move heavy things. Mm. That is something I think intrinsic to who we are. It's just this very human thing. One of the things I discovered in this book is that maybe lifting heavy things isn't about being superhuman, but just about being more human. I think our bodies are meant to move this way. And when you do that with a community of people, there's this connection that forms where you're all trying something really, really difficult. And that really bonds people together. You're doing this I was going to say work, but it is work, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're training, you're, you're, you're working hard, you're trying to get to a point. And then, and you write about this in the book, you go through something really difficult in your own life. Yes. You go through a miscarriage. Yes. Tell me, that's an awful thing to, to experience. It's a really brave thing to write about in the context of this. Tell me a little bit about, about what that did to how you thought of yourself as a strong person. Yeah. Um, so I was... Two years into my strongman career, when that happened, I was training for a competition. Um, I had just moved here to Toronto from New York, and uh, I was lifting an atlas stone and putting it over a bar. And I remember that I just felt this like wash of exhaustion. Mm. And when I went home that day, I decided to take a pregnancy test. My husband and I had just started trying and found out I was pregnant. And then it was uh, three weeks later that I found out that I was miscarrying. And it instantly took me from this place of feeling like the strongest, most invincible, powerful person that I had ever been to feeling vulnerable and broken and weak and like I didn't want to move for the first time in my life. Uh, But because I'd been working out, lifting, running for so long, I did continue to move um, when it was safe. And I ran. And when I would run, I would cry while I was running and it felt really cathartic. But when I came home, I often found myself just kind of back in the same place I had been before I left. But when I would go into the gym, I would walk out of there feeling my body was capable of hard things again. And one of the things I learned in researching this book that helped explain that to me was speaking to a couple of people who work with um, people who've gone through trauma and who use weightlifting as a means to heal that. What I learned was that to do something, let's say like a heavy deadlift, I had to brace my core muscles. I had to press them out against the weight belt that I was wearing. And I had to believe in that moment that this place that felt like it was, it had kind of betrayed me and that it was weak. In order to pick up that barbell and do that heavy deadlift, I had to also believe that it was a place of strength. Mm. And that kind of set me off on the journey for this book was was learning that. If you talk to other people who found something more in strength and strength training, right? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, in terms of speaking about somebody who really saw their body differently, there was this woman, uh, Melissa Edwards. She used to hold the world record for the deadlift. Um, she endured two strokes 
And this was all before she started training for strongman. But in her recovery, she decided, I'm going to try this sport of strongman that I saw on TV, despite the fact that she still didn't have sensation in certain parts of her body, despite the fact that she had to have someone else drive her to the gym because she couldn't drive her own car. And she talks about what it felt like to use her body in a new way and to feel those sensations again, to believe in her body again. And one of the things she said to me was, people ask her all the time, you know, you've gone through all of this, like, why strongman? Why why do this super extreme thing when you could have taken up any other hobby? And she said, because when you're that close to death, it takes a hell of a lot more to feel alive. And that's why it's different than than something like running or swimming or, or some other thing where you, you work your body to its limit or past its limit? For me, yes. When I would go for a long run, let's say I was training for a marathon, I always knew in some capacity, let's say I went out for an eight-mile run, that I was going to probably finish the run, barring some unforeseen circumstance like an injury or something like that. I was going to get home. It might be slower than I wanted it to be. I might have to walk parts of it, but I'm going to accomplish that eight miles. I always felt pretty confident about that. And when you go into the gym to lift weights, you kind of don't know day to day whether or not you're going to pull it off, especially when you're trying for um, something that's a little out of the realm of what you've done before, right? You don't, failure is always a possibility and a probability when you're lifting and when you're pushing up against your limits like that. And I loved the idea that I could go in there and fail, that I was now forcing myself to face failure. Because you say in the book that people who strength train are particularly good at failure. Yes. What does that mean? One of the first things you learn when you go into a strength training gym, if it's a good strength training gym, one of the first things they teach you is how to fail a lift. So let's say you're learning how to do a squat. They're going to teach you how to drop the barbell off your back if it's too heavy. So you don't get hurt. So you don't get hurt. And also it sets you up right there the first moment you walk in that failure is this very accepted part of what you're doing. And it's something that you have to prepare for if you're going to push yourself in any way. There's a bigger lesson there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're learning... Failure teaches you resilience. Mm. Um, it teaches you that there are difficult things in life, but that doesn't mean that you are a failure. That was a big thing for me, for, coming from that background of telling myself for my whole childhood that I was just not not an athlete, that I had just failed at trying to play Little League. Um, I didn't want to fail. I tried really hard to do any sport that I could that did not involve me failing. And lifting forced me to face that. Every single day I go into the gym and I fail constantly. In in the process of weightlifting and in, in that, that journey, um, you make your way up to the U.S. Nationals. Yes. What did that experience teach you about that whole idea of, of what success means and what failure can mean? Yeah. I, I had always wanted to go to Nationals. When I started training for Strongman, that was the goal. And when I went back to competing after having my kids in 2021, I went to this competition and I was the only uh, novice to show up. So I got this automatic bid to Nationals. And I didn't know if I wanted to go because it suddenly felt kind of lackluster. Like I didn't earn it. Mm. And I spoke with my coach about it and he said, I think you should try it. Like you have this opportunity now to be on this stage and let's get you strong enough. Let's see what you can do. I went out there and I failed a bunch of the events. And then I came in second on one event in my first ever nationals. It was something called a, a farmer hold. You're holding um, 120 pounds in a suitcase in each hand. <laughs> For as long as you possibly can. Why is it called the farmer hold? Uh, because I guess it's like farmers walking uh, through With the farm like carrying buckets like buckets in each like hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, exactly. Yeah. So it's called a, a farmer carry. But in this case, it was a hold because you're just standing there. And it's this true, you have to go into this kind of pain cave. You have to zone out of everything else going on around you and just stand there and just dig in 
and hold on for dear life. And I think I was the most proud of that event of anything, not just because I came in second, mm. but because it really showed my ability to kind of suffer um, and come out the other side better for it. How welcome are women in the sport? What you think of one of the reasons why people don't go to gyms, for example, is they have a stereotypical idea of what a gym might be. And maybe they feel like they don't fit into that. Yeah. I still think that the weight room in like a big chain gym is scary. And I have been lifting heavy weights for eight years. Um, I still think it's intimidating. Mm. But in CrossFit, in Strongman, women are on largely equal footing as men. I mean, in CrossFit, ever since the very first CrossFit Games, they have been paying uh, the same prize money to women as men. We're getting there in Strongman. Um, but it's it's incredibly welcoming. Uh, the men in the sport that I have met want to see what the women can do. Women want to see what each other, what we can all do. And I think too, you know, all of us were taught from a young age that our bodies were supposed to look a certain way, that we were supposed to not get too bulky. That's the idea of taking up space. Right? Yes. What, what does that mean to you? Well, so when, when I did this research, I wanted to first understand why, why do we hate this term bulky? Why are we scared of this term bulky? And so I looked it up. And the first definition I found was taking up space or taking up much space, typically inconveniently. And that inconvenient part really stuck with me because we view a woman who is bigger, who is stronger, who is more confident as being inconvenient as far as what we know about gender norms, mm. right? We, we've always seen women as supposed to be weaker and smaller. What I have learned and what all the women I spoke to for this book have learned is that you want to take up space. We want to exist in a way that feels comfortable for us, whatever our bodies look like. It's more about, you learn in the sport that it's more about what your body can do than how it looks. What did you learn about why people do this, which is kind of the thrust of the book. People will often ask, how did she lift those giant stones or hang on to the suitcases full of rocks or whatever for 10 minutes? Yes. But it's the why that is really interesting. What did you learn about why people do this and why you do this? I learned that a lot of people come to this sport from a place of weakness or vulnerability, um, that people feel like something in their life has made them feel weak um, has made them feel like they are not capable of something and they want to feel like they are. Um, I spoke to people who went through abuse, neglect, um, losing community or family. And this was a way to feel strong and to be strong and to, to understand that there was, there was a way that they could take themselves out of the way that they were feeling. When your daughter says to you, I can't, I can't do this. What do you yes. say to her? We have a saying in my house, mm -hmm. which is we don't say I can't, we say I'll try. And they know that now. I don't take I can't for an answer. Uh, if it's, whether it's, you know, putting on her shoes or trying to do a hundred piece puzzle or whatever it is, we're gonna try it. I think it's really easy, especially with kids to just jump in and do things for them. And I don't, I, I want them to know as early on as possible that they can do hard things. They just have to work for it. What do you think you're capable of? I don't think I know yet. Um, I, I hope I don't know what I'm capable of yet. I hope I don't know what my limits are. You know, I've pulled a 50 ton truck, but could I pull it further next time? Could I pull it faster? Could I pull something heavier? I don't know. I walk down the street now and look at trucks and go, I wonder if I could just like, strap myself do to that. Do you actually do that? <laughs> I legitimately do that. There was one of my favorite quotes from somebody I spoke to and it didn't make it into the book, but I said to her, 
why do you think that we're obsessed with lifting heavy things? And she said, well, I don't think it's everybody. Uh, for some people, a trip to Target is just a trip to Target. But for the rest of us in this you know, strength community, we go there and we see the giant red concrete orbs in front of the front doors and go, ooh, Atlas Stones. Wonder if I could pick that up. <laughs> it's a really powerful book. There's a lot in here, even if people uh, are never going to go and uh, and pull a truck or yes. lift the stone in front of the department store. Um, there's a lot of lessons in here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Alyssa Ages is the author of Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength. We spoke in September. And a shout out to Mitchell Hooper from Barrie, Ontario, strongest man in the world in 2023, the first Canadian to win that title. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.